Hey folks, today we have Willow in the house, our science brunch dog. How'd you name her Willow, by the way? Oh, um, I actually didn't want to name her Willow. I wanted to name her Canis Lupus Familiaris. Ooh, sciency. Hello and welcome to Science Brunch. I am Katie McKissick, aka Beatrice the Biologist, and I'm here with my good friend May Prince. Hello. And today we're talking about Carl Linnaeus. Ooh. Do you know who that is? Uh, vaguely, vaguely familiar. Well, guess what? Hmm. You're gonna know who he is. <laughs> because that's like what we're threat. doing. <laughs> you have no choice. Uh, so I hope Fine. you weren't like I hope you weren't set on not knowing who he is. <laughs> if you're if be you so are, disappointed. You, should, you should just stop. Yeah, just listening move on. right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's happening. But before we get to our friend Carl, uh-huh. Coral, what do you have to teach me today for our science appetizer starter situation? Well, I recently, last month, took a trip. Up the California coast, because oh, yeah. as you know, we are in Southern California. And I do um, know that. I reached the, you know, Big Sur is closed because of the problems that they've been having with the roads and And yeah, now there's been a, yeah, there was a landslide. And, that's, and another one it's been recently. It's happening for a couple of days. Yeah, now. It's, it's crazy. It so that entire area is cut off. But you can actually go up to like just the southern tip of Big Sur and, um, where like the town of San Simeon is. So this is just a little south of San Francisco. Yeah, it's it's uh it's south of um Monterey. So Monterey oh. Bay is south of San Francisco, but this is like a little bit further south than that. Okay. So central coast of California people. Yeah. It's where Hearst Castle is if you've ever been to Hearst Castle. Nobody knows where that is. Reclusive weirdo millionaire <laughs> wanted to run for political office. It all sounds vaguely familiar, oh, right? Oh god, don't yeah talk about people like I know, that. I know, I know. So I'm going to talk about something even more disgusting. Okay. Okay. So while I was there, there's this beach where all of these elephant seals congregate during like after breeding season and, you know, while they have their pups and everything. And so I like wildlife. So I wanted to go see like what that was all about. And, um, there's this beach you can like park and you just walk and there's like a, a walkway for tourists. So you don't disturb the actual animals on the beach leave the seals alone but yeah but you're like up elevated and you can see exactly what they're doing and you can hear them and you're very close but you're not disturbing them you're not like you know interrupting their beach yeah exactly it's their beach so that sounded cool i went and i was horrified (laughs) why (laughs) so i actually have some audio that i recorded while i was there because i could not believe the sounds that were coming out of these animals And that's me laughing because I could not contain myself. So what you were actually doing is just watching Jurassic Park, right? <laughs> Outside. That's what it sounds like. It was, it was like, so, you know, they're making these, these fart burp noises constantly. And you, you literally cannot tell which end it's coming out of. And like, they're just lying on the beach and they're covered in their own feces and they're just rolling around on each other. And I'm like, this is why? <laughs> why does this thing exist? Get it together. Why would anyone want to see 
<laughs> and it's it's actually a triumph that we've uh, managed to pull them back from the brink of extinction. <laughs> Which, you know, they have an important role in the ecosystem. But man, are they gross. And like, <laughs> the thing that was confusing to me was, you know, it's nature. Nature can be gross and weird or whatever, but it has a function. It usually is. You can still appreciate it, right? I was there and there were other people there on, you know, the walkway with me at the same time. And they were not laughing. Meanwhile, I could not contain myself. I was like crying. I was laughing. So what you're so saying hard. is that they were more mature than you? I guess, but also they were having less fun. Like, <laughs> like, I don't know what they got out of it. I was like, I laughed for 20 minutes and I went and had dinner. <laughs> so I got my exercise in. But like, I don't know. I looked up you know, some, some facts about them afterwards because I was like, there must be something more to these animals than fart noises. There's a little bit more. So they actually, the, the females grow to be 9 to 12 feet, which is huge. It's like 900 to 1,800 pounds. The males are much larger. They're 14 to 16 feet, 3,000 to 5,000 pounds. That's Oof. two and a half tons. Damn. That, and, and they're just like flopping around on the beach over each other. Um, I saw this special growing up that traumatized me forever, but it was about elephant seals and how they have their pups on the beach. And then the males are still fighting over the females, you know, because they each have their own like little, they call them harems and then they have a beta male who's also helping them kind of maintain order uh, just on the off chance that they can breed with one of the females. Um, but the males just don't care. And they're just running roughshod over all of these pups. And like in this nature special, Ouch. it was like, and the pup is crushed under the male's weight. And I was like, why? <laughs> this defeats the purpose, doesn't hmm, it? That's that's a rough, <laughs> a rough situation. I know. But like, how they're, about no? They're they're kind of cool. The reason they were hunted nearly to extinction is because they their blubber quality is so good. So it's actually only second to whale blubber. So back when we were using oil lamps and oil for everything, um, they were just easy to kill because they're just floating around out there and people are killing them. I mean, people uh, killed everything. People man. killed otters, which to me, there's a special circle in hell for people who killed otters because they're just nature's cutest, bestest animal. I just, I still, in my head somehow, cannot believe we used to kill animals for their oil. Just yeah. wild I mean, animals in the ocean. Like, what? It was the most efficient way, oh my God. I guess. Oh. It was, which was still very inefficient. <laughs> but yeah, so they only come to the beach, like, starting in, I think the males show up in December and start fighting like even before the females get there and then the females show up and like they, you guys done fighting yeah are you guys ready and they okay. pup in like january or so and then they have their pups on the beach like nursing them and taking care of them and then they pretty much like are like all right see ya, you're on your own and the pups have this kind of two-month period where they learn how to swim and they're like trying to eat on their own and they lose some of their weight because they're just kind of starving <laughs> <laughs> before they figure out how to fish for themselves. But, you know, these beaches provide a safe spot for them to it's be. It's a daycare. Yeah, it's a daycare. And, you know, it's kind of like shielded from a lot of the bigger waves and stuff like that. So there's uh, different areas along the California coast that are like this for different seal populations, like harbor seals. There's one down in La Jolla near yeah, San Diego. Yeah, I've been to that one. That Children's cool. Pool. It actually used to be a beach for human children, and now it's a beach for seal children. And, um, yeah, so if you visit one of these areas, it's cool to see them. You can see them without disturbing them. Don't be the jerkwad that goes down on the beach and yeah. screws with the animals. Like, 
just leave just them alone. Don't. A lot of people are like, I have the right to be here. And I'm like, boo. Technically, yes, but also you're a jerk. <laughs> also, they're protected. And if you get within it's something like 20 feet, it's technically exactly. a misdemeanor. Or... As we have seen recently in the news, these seals do not screw around. Like, there, there was the little girl on the pier, and the seal just like jumped up and grabbed oh, yeah, her. That's right. And people were like, that's weird. <laughs> Why why would a wild animal bite someone? And it's like, because they're wild and they're an animal and also they're hungry. So And also you're in their space. You're in their space. Get out of their personal space. Exactly. So I felt bad for the little girl who didn't know any better and not so bad for all the adults around her who should have known better. Yeah. So yes, don't disturb wild animals. This goes for any wild animal. If you're in Yellowstone this summer, don't go take a selfie with an elk. If you get trampled. Oh my God. I swear, you deserve it. (laughs) Don't put wild animals in your car. You know, if you see them hurt, just call the proper authorities and and they'll help them out. Um, There's a way to enjoy nature. And I particularly recommend the elephant seals because fart noises. I mean, kids, your kids will love it. Just, Just take them to the beach. So do you know what the species name of the, uh, the northern elephant seal is that you were looking at? I did. Whether or not I can pronounce it is another matter. It is the Marunga Angus terostris. Yes, it is. Yes. I looked it up too. Yeah. Do you know why we, we call things by those species names where it's a genus and a species name? I, I vaguely remember reading or learning about this in school, and I know that it's there's some like leeway in naming species. So like when a scientist discovers a new species, they can name it kind of along the lines that they want. I don't know why they wouldn't have named elephant seals fartus purpose or whatever, <laughs> but I'm interested in finding out. I assume that's what, what Carl was involved with. Yes. The reason that it has that species name. I mean, I don't know if Carl named that one. I doubt it. But <laughs> the reason that you have this binomial nomenclature with the two ah. names the genus and the species like how we are homo sapiens that's because of carl thanks carl good job <laughs> i assume there was a method to his madness a little bit so <laughs> he he was born back in 1707 oh wow that was a million years ago it was a million years ago. <laughs> exactly a million years ago 1707 you guys one million years ago. Um, we strive to be accurate on this and show. And he is from Sweden. Oh. Yes, he's Swedish. I don't think we've... Have we had a Swede yet? I don't think so. Huh. But, uh, but yeah, so he, from a very early age, was super into plants. Okay. So this is... We have a botanist in our midst. Got okay. It. So yeah, so super into plants. Um, his family wanted him to grow up and be a priest. He's like, nah, I'd rather be a doctor. And they're like, yeah, okay, I guess that's fine. <laughs> so we sort of have, um, a, he's very Darwinian. He's very Charlesian since mm-hmm. we go by first names around here. Mm-hmm. He, there are a lot of similarities with him and Charles Darwin. They're separated by about 150 years, okay. but whatever. Um, some similarities. So he was pre-Darwin. Yeah. Um, and so, so he went to medical school, but even within medical school, he, there was a lot of botany involved because at that time, so long ago, a fair amount of medicine was learning mm. about medicinal plants and how to use them to help people. So, so it was kind of more botany. And so he just kind of did as much as he possibly could. He, I mean, medicine was kind of, he was always sort of half-hearted about it. He did practice um, later on, but he was really there for the plants. Gotcha. <laughs> it was like first day of class, they're like, so what is everybody's specialty? And they're like, I want to be a pediatrician. Just kidding. That wasn't like what people did back then. But he was like, I'm just here for the plants. 
I'm going to talk about plants as much as possible. Wasn't that kind of Darwin's deal Great. too? He was like, could not handle the medical profession. Yeah, well, he didn't finish. He was like, well, I guess I'll be a doctor. And he's like, oh my God, this is so gross. <laughs> oh my God, there's blood everywhere. <laughs> blood vomit. <laughs> so yeah, that was Darwin. Um, but no, he, this guy finished. Um, but then he started going on expeditions to hmm. find, categorize, and name plants. And he, um, one of the first ones was when he was 25. He went, he was out for months and months and just was gathering plants and yeah, and yeah, naming them, describing them, uh, drawing them. He was a pretty good artist. And, huh. um, cause yeah, he would, cause he'd take them and then preserve them in the way that, you know, some people still do just for fun, like where you pl- flatten them, you know, oh, like, yeah, I like used to do book. that. Yeah. I mean, they, and they do that, you know, in natural history museums and stuff too, but but when you flatten them, obviously you lose some of their characteristics of right. what they look like in life. So he was also drawing them. So that Such was, as their three dimensions. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, so he was drawing them for all that, those sorts of records. And um, he, the trip was funded by the uh, Uppsala Science Society. And <laughs> they were paying him by the mile. So when, when Boy got back, he totally <laughs> lied about how far he walked by like a factor of two. <laughs> It's like, dude, boost the mileage. Oh my God. That's that old trick. But anyway, so when he's still super young, he's 28, he publishes uh, Systema Naturae, Mm -hmm. where he outlines this kind of new plan to categorize living things all living things in a very or, you know organized way and um, and naming them. So so before that was it just like a free for all melee? No, I mean people would still name things, um, but they tended to be really really long. Like there mm. wasn't a really great system for doing it, and so different countries kind of had their own system set up. So yeah, so it wasn't universal and and um, standardized yet. Mm. So th- this was kind of the beginning of his idea for a system and then he just kept perfecting it so it wasn't like it was done when he was 28 but this was when he started kind of thinking about hey let's approach this from a different kind of perspective and let's Hmm. and and not just let's give everything um a more standardized name that we can all agree on but let's have them all grouped into certain groups based on certain characteristics that get ever increasingly broader so interesting so he's like we need a universal system that makes sense yeah so he so he published that paper and then you know he he practices as a doctor his specialty was syphilis super fun uh, are there any doctors that specialize in syphilis anymore I hope not <laughs> let me just say that um, but so he was sort of practicing and then he got a professorship and you know continued his botany work and his classification work and then got a bunch of students and sent them out on expeditions mm. so I mean one of his students was on you know Captain Cook's ship going out and bringing stuff back so he was just like sending his minions all over the world to go find more plants and everything minions the modern term is grad students yes (laughs) um but yeah so his his the whole idea of grouping things into ever bigger groups is why we have things like kingdom animalia the Mm -hmm. animal kingdom and then within that there's a like so this was his his version so it's like there's the animal kingdom, and then you have a vertebrate class, so things that have backbones. And then within that, there's an order that's primates. And within that, there's the genus Homo. And then within that, there's the species Sapiens. So that was mm-hmm. that was like his vision, was having that sort of system, which we still use, you know, it's a little bit different than he originally had it because he... A, didn't have all of these evolutionary relationships in mind, and he also didn't, you know, know about all the different kind of species we have. So 
but so right now we still have the kingdom phylum which was something he didn't have you know have in his original mm. kind of list class order family genus species is the basic kind of um, address yeah. that something has but there's also subfamilies and, and things like that so it's not quite that neat and orderly but that's more or less how we still do it so it's like it just gets yeah increasingly more specific just like it's like yeah you live on planet earth you live on a certain continent a country yeah. a state a county a city a street and then a house so it's like so is it like an evolutionary address yes i mean in theory that's what we're yeah. always trying to do and as we and you know we're constantly rewriting yeah. where things fit in and, and kind of establishing a new genus or maybe even a new order if you find kind of a whole other branch that you know like an undiscovered street it's like oh my god there's a whole street full of houses we don't even know it was there um so so yeah so we're rewriting it all the time and that's mm. just kind of just par for the course as we learn more about things evolutionary relationships uh how he organized things was just just kind of on his whims like he would <laughs> when he was classifying again mostly plants I mean, he definitely named and classified a lot of of animals and other and fungus and other things um such as sneezing dog yes Willow. have you heard that Willow. Willow's, <laughs> Willow's sneezing um but he was classifying plants in ways that actually were had nothing to do with their evolutionary relationships i mean hmm. a lot of times if you classify things based on a, a lot of similarities you kind of wind up with it being pretty close to yeah. their evolutionary ties but he didn't wind up with that so much because he was like oh well all these have eight um, eight petals. So I'll just put them all in the same order. It's like, oh, actually, they they have nothing to do with each other. But okay. Yeah. Um, but actually, the main way that he classified all of his plants was based on um, their reproductive um, kind of <laughs> like system and uh, like if the plant had like a male plant and a female plant, or if it was on the same plant. Like it was all about plant sex. Like well, that's how he categorized everything. <laughs> he it was, was super, super into plant sex. Yeah. So that was <laughs> that was his plan. Um, someone actually thought it was really disgusting. <laughs> this guy, I love this. Uh, an opponent, like a competing botanist, whose name was Johann uh, Siegesbeck thought it was disgusting that he was using plant sex as opposed to other characteristics to classify them. He called it loathsome harlotry. Just ew. I, I just love the idea of competing botanists. I know. Like, rival botanists. Yeah, it was really cutthroat. Why hasn't that movie been made? But uh, um, Carl was having none of this. And so when he came across this like worthless, stinky, just small weed, uh -huh. he named it Sigis Beckia <laughs> after this dude. <laughs> Such sweet nerdy revenge. Mm -hmm. Um but uh but yeah, so his classification system, you know, ever, you know, more specific groups. And then but the 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 sort of convention of having genus and species, the last two be your species name. Uh -huh. That was just kind of a shorthand he started using. Like that wasn't his grand vision was that we were homo sapiens and, and that, you know, elephant seal was what it, he was like, Oh yeah, I'll just, I'll just write for short genus and species when I'm referring to this one. But that really stuck. Yeah. But it was not like his grand plan was for species names to have that convention, but it, it just kind of worked mm. out and it was by the time it stuck, it was like oh, too late to change it. And he was like, Oh, Okay, well, I guess that's what we're doing now. Like, whoops, whatever. <laughs> I, like how, I like how he created this brand new system, like, out of nothing after hundreds of years. And then people are like, 10 years of writing down genus species are like, it's too late to change. Yeah, let's, let's just, just keep doing <laughs> let's this. Let's just keep doing it this way. Yeah. I mean, because it could have just it could have just been the species name like we could just be called yeah. sapiens i mean 
I guess some people call us that or something. But yeah, it could have been sapiens instead of homo sapiens. Huh. But the two... Oh, whoops, I just... But the two name, the binomial kind of system yeah. just stuck. Huh. Um, but yeah, how he... And how he named things, because he, he named 14,000 different things. Holy crap. And it's that... So yeah. That's a lot of things to name. It is a lot of things. I don't know how he didn't just run out of names. So he was just constantly trying to kind of, you know, find a reason for naming them that. So like if some something that smelled like time, he just named it after time. If something looked like looked like something he a reference to uh, a, you know, a Greek goddess, he would just name it after her. So it was just uh. constantly just like, okay, well, it sort of looks like this. I'll just name it after that thing. It's like, okay. A lot, so a lot of um, old Latin words, you know, that's why everything has yeah. the kind of the Latin flair. And then a lot of Greek words, like what was the example here? So there was, uh, he named one of the alpine plants, Dryas octopetia, uh, so Octopella, he writes, I have called this plant Dryas, after the dryads, the nymphs that live in oaks, since the leaf has a certain likeness to the oak leaf. It's like, okay, cool. Just <laughs> just keep doing what you're doing. Um, but then sometimes, yeah, and then sometimes he would name things after people. And if, if he didn't like them, he would name it after something yucky. He named his favorite plant after himself, oh. which you are not supposed to do anymore. Right. Yes. I not- know there are rules. Yeah. You're not supposed to name it after yourself. You're not supposed to name it anything. I mean, just like you would expect. It's not supposed to be something uh, vulgar or I don't know, in any way just kind of terrible or, you know, so, icky. So, but people... Fartus, burpus, whatever uh, would be out. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, I just think they don't want everything to be truly mean-spirited or right. anything like Which, of course, I mean... There would be so many things named after penises. They, they, they just, just don't want it. people to do what Carl did, was like name things after yourself or after people to be mean. Right. But people name things after other people all the time. Right. Like, I, this, someone who, you know, has found new species of crabs named him after his kids, you know. Or there was a sponge that kind of was square-ish shaped, and so they named it after SpongeBob. I mean, that's just kind of... But it was like, they still wanted it to sound Latin, so it was like SpongeBobsy something <laughs> Like, so silly. Um, but uh, he's, he's the one who named mammals. Mammals? Huh. And um, his reasoning for that was really weird. So at the time, and again, he's a doctor, and he was really upset that more women didn't breastfeed back then because well-to-do ladies would send their babies off to a wet nurse. Uh-huh. And he just thought it was real. I guess he was just really grossed out by it because he thought that that he thought that you know having a wet nurse like you would get i don't know characteristics from your wet nurse and not from your mom i don't know whatever he just thought it was really gross and he didn't like it at all so (laughs) he just didn't like it he just didn't like it at all so when it came time to name the class of you know mammals that you know that nurse their young and have hair all the you know all the mammals we know and love Uh um rather than naming them something like that actually would be more universal like milk drinkers or something he's like i'm gonna call i'm gonna name them after mammary glands because i want to make this political point that your mammary glands need to be used and you Mm. are supposed to do it and no one else and if you're not doing it you're not even living up to your name so what did he think about male nipples i don't know was he against them well that's the thing it's like people are like why did he name the whole class of, of animals after something that is only functional in half of them yeah like it's not even a unifying it's not you know what i mean yeah throughout the group it's not actually that great of a name like the hairy ones yeah 
Well, um, the hairy warm ones. In German, for instance, the name for mammals is actually like it translates to sucklers because that actually is what unites all of us is that Uh, as babies we we suckle. suckle. So he could have named it something actually more inclusive, but he really wanted to pinpoint. It was like, use your mammaries, ladies. So he named he named us like boobs. He was the sassiest scientist (laughs) we have ever had at brunch. I like that sassy yeah. scientist. Um, the other, the other name that he—that would be his Twitter handle. Yeah, that he used for revenge um, was—he uh, <laughs> named a beetle that he didn't like after a student that he didn't like hmm. because this particular student was sent on an expedition, like so many of his students were, and came back. And I don't know what happened, but this guy uh, Daniel Rolander was like, um, "I'm not going to give you all the samples I brought back, huh? Because I don't feel like it." or whatever like maybe carl was mean to him and he's like actually you know what no i'm not giving you stuff so carl broke into daniel's house what and stole them all and then named a beetle after him <laughs> yep it's called afanis rolandri after daniel rolander i'm telling you hollywood this this is a movie just begging to be made yeah so the so the species name is after is the kids you know the student's name and then uh, Afanis in Greek means inconspicuous. So, Ooh, yeah. snap. Burn. Burn. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's so crazy. But but yeah, now there are about 1.5 million species names that, you know, obviously follow this convention. Wow. Uh, there's an estimated 10 million more species that are in need of names. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, Species that we're aware of or have yet to it's discover? Kind of like both. Like some, when it comes to like like birds, you know, mammals, uh, reptiles, amphibians, fish, we've got those covered. Yeah. But this is uh, like insects. Uh, this is really small uh, crustacea, like or marine invertebrates, like gotcha. tiny polychaete worms, like a lot of microscopic stuff gotcha. is um, not yet like officially described and named. That's still ongoing. So what's what's the process for naming something? Like you... You find something. Right. You find something. You, you have specialists look at it. Yeah. And say, okay, this definitely isn't something that we've already described. Um, and then you have to get a really good specimen that can be the type specimen. It's a, it's called a holotype. Okay. It's like, okay, this, this is the epitome of this species. Like it is a really good example. We're going to keep it in a vault. No, I was kidding. Well, sort of, um, <laughs> in a natural history museum uh-huh. and we're going to describe it. And then, and then, yeah, whoever, um, you know, discovered it, the scientist that describes it in, in excruciating detail so that everybody else can know how to, you know, how to attribute a new find to this same species gotcha. gets to pick the name. So even if they don't have access to the actual sample, they can still right. Yeah. So they publish out. a paper basically and say, gotcha. okay, here's this new species. Here's the scoop on it, and here's what it looks like, and here's how you can tell that it's different from this other species, and huh. and um, and maybe and maybe you know here's its uh, like genetic barcode, or here's its whole sequence, or whatever. And this takes a while, right? Like mm-hmm. how long between typically the time that you discover something and want to name it and it then totally, like actually name it it totally depends on what it is um because 
like for some really small invertebrates, people are like, yeah, we don't know what that is. <laughs> and, then that, and then it just takes a while. Or hmm. for things like fossils, sometimes they'll find something and they'll think it's one thing. And right. then decades later, they'll be like, oh my God, actually upon, you know, like let me, I looked at this more closely, you know, even though we've known about it for 60 years and I realized that it's not, doesn't even belong in the same genus that we put mm-hmm. it in. We need to create a new genus and we need to give it a new name and everything so yeah it's it's interesting because i know that there were remember when we talked about salim ali he had a couple animals that were named after him so he must not have named them i mean maybe he did back then like oh yeah i guess this was. i think it's a little more modern that you're not kind of supposed to do that gotcha but he he might have yeah yeah well i know one of them was named recently so i think it was in his honor it was like in Ah. 2014 so that one at least but i think yeah the there was like a fruit bat or something Mm -hmm. like Right before his death, and yeah. they may have named it in his honor. Yeah, there's um the Cal- the state of California is about to name a new state dinosaur because we don't have an official state dinosaur. We have a state fossil. I didn't even know there were state dinosaurs. Yeah, not that many states have them. I think seven states have them so far. Oh. But um, but yes, a law student noticed that we don't have a state dinosaur, and so she wrote kind of a you know a suggestion for what it should be and got an assembly member to propose it and stuff. So it might happen this summer, actually. Really? And yeah, it's the name of the dinosaur. It's a it's a duckbill dinosaur that's found only in California, and it's called huh. um, Augustinolophus morrissey. And each so it's it's an it's the only dinosaur in that genus. And it, the, what I just described about how. Um, it can take decades and you're like, oh, actually, this is something else. Yeah. That's what happened with this dinosaur. It was mm. classified when it was found in, the, you know, 1940 or whatever. And then about four years ago, someone looked at it again and went, um, nope, <laughs> this is something else. <laughs> um, and so Augustine Lofus and Morrissey, each of those names is named after a person. So it's like someone whose last name was Augustine yeah. and someone whose last name is Morris. And that kind of stuff can be messy too, because I know like... When things were more fast and loose with fossil finding, you know, when scientists were eager to get published, they would kind of oh yeah, they would just jam swap, bones swap together. some pieces. Yeah, and be like, look like, at this species. Oh, I, I'm missing a head, but there's one over here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it could go. The bone wars. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was that was his deal, and um, he lived to be seventy. He got he had a couple of strokes <laughs> and uh, hang, hung on for a few more years and then and then he passed away. His son, who he named after himself as well, <laughs> Carl. <laughs> at least at least he didn't name him something weird. <laughs> um, he he kind of took over, but wasn't quite as. I mean, I don't know how you live up to someone who has right. like kind of shaken up everything and right. is like a household name back back then. Um, yeah, so his son took over, but then when he died and he didn't have any kids, all of this sort of, all these collections and just kind of all of his work was, uh, his his wife and, and daughter um, sold it to a, an English natural historian named uh, Sir James Edward Smith, who founded the Linnaean Society of London, and hmm. that's where all that stuff is now. But um, he's a big Swedish celebrity. He's um, he's on their hundred hundred um, dollar bill or, oh, you know, nice. kronor bill. <laughs> yeah. And um, the, his and the plant that he named after himself, which is Linnea borealis, <laughs> is on their twenty dollar bill or their twenty dollar note. Yeah. So they have a scientist mm-hmm. on some of their money. We are jealous. Very jealous. We are jealous. What? Which scientist? I mean, Ben Franklin was kind of sciencey. Yeah. And because he and he wasn't a president, so I guess that's the yeah. exception. He was just kind of a. 
But he was also very involved in the political process. Like, yeah. Carl Linnaeus yeah. was just, oh, yeah. he was just straight up. out there with his plants, yeah, walking around, doubling his mileage for his expense report. <laughs> God. <laughs> I read that story and I was like, damn, what? I, Carl? That is the kind of thing you would do as a, as a young person, though. You're like, I need some more money. So I think, I mean, like I said, he's definitely the sassiest scientist we've done, we've, you know, hung out with so far. I dig it, though, because even though he might be, like, kind of a jerk, I just like that he gets revenge on people. (laughs) I just, I respect that. I really like the revenge part of his science. Yeah. I mean, I bet, I bet his life was kind of like a John Wick movie. (laughs) So much revenge happening. Let's call Keanu if he's available to play Carl in the movie of Carl's life. I, this could be Carl a good mashup. Wick. Could we get Robert Rodriguez to direct? He's like, you did this, and now I'm naming something yucky after you. And the person goes, no, no, I feel please, like no. I feel like kids would really relate to this kind of story. Like mm-hmm. if you told them, you're like, oh, it's yeah. very, I'm not inviting you to my birthday party. Yes. Very, very yes. much so. This is exactly what a kid would do. And, and seriously, I mean, when you're trying to name thousands of things, you need inspiration because you're oh, going to yeah. run out of stuff to name. I mean, I would have a hard time naming like a litter of puppies. I'd be like one, two, <laughs> red, seven, five. Yeah. Yeah. Orange. Well, this is this is the, the thing that's fascinating, like about paint names. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like at some point, if that's your job, yeah. you must just gonna run, run out, out of run, steam. Seriously. So, yeah. So don't what you want to do is not inspire anybody who names things to be thinking about you when they're naming something because it could go awry. Yeah. So like one thing is called tropical lemonade and another thing is called rock. Like whenever I look at the range of, you know, paint names at a store and I see that discrepancy, I'm always like, yeah, they were tired that day. Yeah. They didn't have their coffee What a fun job. I know. Yeah. Life goals. Yeah, seriously. Actually, I have an article about that. Hold on. I will pull it up real quick. How many there are or something. And before they had the little, the machines that actually dole out the exact right number of drops of different colors and mix it up for you. Uh I mean, you know, 50 years ago, were there just like 10 colors? Yeah. And then if you got two gallons, they might not match exactly. No, I think you could get the full range of colors, but like (laughs) in picking the color, you would just be like gray. And then you would just get some kind of gray oh. <laughs> from the guy, like, right? And you would never be able to go back for a second can. Like, you would have to get all the paint all at once. Right. Um, so, let's see. So, <laughs> there was a recent article about uh, a research scientist uh, named Janelle Shane. And she wondered how, you know, she wrote an AI program, basically, to name paint colors oh. to see what it c- would come up with. And it was based on, like, their RGB values, you know, the red, green, blue uh, color values in each color. And she wanted to see, like, what an artificial intelligence would end up naming them. And (laughs) the best part is, like, you know, it's like this process. Like, they're learning how to put letters together and then kind of, I think, maybe categorizing them as they come across more colors, you know, the AI. And so there's this list of all of these colors that that the AI eventually came up with. (laughs) I would love to see, I mean, this is kind of like when you see a a paint color name and you're like, what, how did this happen? What is, (laughs) what were they? So there's like, there's one called Snowbonk. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Bank butt. What? Stargoon. <laughs> Sink. <laughs> Dorkwood. Oh my god. Flower. Okay. Grade bat. Wow. Grass bat. What? Cindus poop. Burble simp. Oh my god, stop it. Say it's stanky bean. <laughs> Turdly. What is happening? Are these browns? I, oh my god. I, Does it like, show you what color these are? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So um let's see. Let's Give me see. an example. Bank butt is is I would Green? I would describe it as a, a dusty pink. <laughs> um uh. Dork wood uh, is more of a slate gray. Okay, I was expecting brown. I know, right? Grass bat is, is kind of like that 1980s shade of kind of dark, darkish pink. Why isn't it green? What is this AI I, doing? I, I don't know. There's one called testing. <laughs> it looks very similar to grass bat <laughs> to me. Um, stanky bean is also a kind of pink. Turdly is kind of a, a greenish tan. Um, but yeah, so this AI needs some work. I, but I love it. I love this idea. I think that people should do this to name their kids. Well, it's like, it's like, <laughs> I was going to say, it's like asking a toddler to, to name colors. You'd probably get some similar things. Exactly. You'll I mean, get I like, guess you have to think about the AI like it is a toddler because in a way it is. Be like, here's my daughter, Stummy Beige. <laughs> Stummy Beige. Here's my son, Sink. Actually, there's probably a hipster kid out there named Sink. I was going to say, that's a very like celebrity baby name, so don't, yeah. give, don't give him any ideas. I'm sorry if your kid is named Sink, but you did I'm something terrible. <laughs> you should redo it. <laughs> redo it. Back to the drawing board on that one. Oh, my God. But yeah. But yeah, so, so I when I first read the thing about the mammal name, mm-hmm. I was really upset with Carl. I just thought it was so... So bossy and rude yeah. and kind of, I don't know, like... Yeah. Boss your own nipples, dude. Yeah. Like, can you just, like, take it easy a little bit? I just... <laughs> I don't know. I just don't... It just bothered me that someone was, like, trying to shame women about their right. choices through a name of our whole class of, of organisms. I was like, dude, get over yourself. Yeah. So I, I wonder was... what he would do these days now <sighs> that people are using formula. Oh, my God. He'd, like, blow a gasket. <sighs> yeah. So, so that definitely annoyed me. Um, but like the Seagus Beckia, like weed, like the stinky weed named uh-huh. after someone he doesn't like. And, and I mean, like, I mean, it's kind of funny. Like, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm mixed. I'm mixed on Carl. Cause I mean, I totally, I don't know. Like he seems like he had a pretty big ego. I mean, trying to say that, well, I'm just going to describe every living thing and I'm going to put it into this like system that's going to be so perfect and everybody's going to love it. It's like, you have to be like kind of full of yourself yeah. to do something like that. Yeah. Um, and I mean, some people uh, were just like, that's not possible. Or, 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 or I don't know. They're just like, you can't have such order on such an unorderly system. Like yeah. it's almost, I mean, it's just kind of this hubris that we, that mankind has anyway. It's like, oh yeah, I'm just going to place this grid on this sloppy mess on the floor and it's going to make total sense. I'm going to force it. I mean, yeah, I'm going to like stick this square peg in a round hole. Be like, no, I have to, you have to fit in yeah, here. Like, yeah. That's kind of the sense. And I actually remember in high school biology, oh, I'm so dumb. Like, <laughs> 
I seriously thought that the names and the classification system really did work out. Like we had it all kind of nailed down. Like my my misunderstanding Mm. was that we really did have every evolutionary relationship and everything did fit into nice little boxes. Yeah, thinking back, that's probably exactly what I thought. Yeah, yeah, and these species are in the same group. And and these groups are all in the the bigger group and they all belong there and everything makes sense and we understand all of it and it is never changing. It's fine. Like I thought it was just done donezo like we know everything <laughs> Check. um so so yeah so his system does kind of create this illusion yeah. that there's so much order to things when there's not i mean it's the same it's this, i guess that's the point yeah i mean this yeah. is why um like the the whole pluto planet thing is very similar like we have a definition of planet which was that okay so it's a thing that is roughly spherical because it's big enough to have enough gravity to become a sphere. It's going around the sun and it has cleared out its orbital path. Yeah. And so that, and like we had that definition and then it was like, oh, Pluto doesn't fit that definition. So we'll just say that it's a dwarf planet, which is just another thing we just made up. Like, it's not like Pluto is out there like, I'm a dwarf planet. It's like, and, no, it, we're just trying yeah. to come up with terms, but, but dwarf planet's not perfect. Like, what's the difference between an asteroid and a dwarf planet? Like, well, like and for or people, a meteor, rather. People still upset about Pluto. The deal is, is that, you know, we found Pluto. And then after that, like way after that, they found another planet that was actually bigger than yeah, Pluto. slightly bigger. And, and so they're like, like oh. oh, did I find a new planet? Right. Or is this... And then we started... Because, you know, our technology got better, we were able to see more and more stuff out there and realize... There was stuff bigger than Pluto. But this is the thing. People were like, oh, we understand what planets are. And we totally have a, right. have, we have a, a good grip on this. I was like, we don't. Right. We don't, you guys. But also don't. the reasons why we changed the definition of a planet is also arbitrary. Because we were like, but well, yeah. there should only, there shouldn't be that many planets. Like we have this preconception yeah, because that, that there w- should only be like a dozen planets totally. at most. That right? was the reason. It was like, well, if Pluto is a planet, then there's probably two dozen yes. planets in the Kuiper belt. Yes. So And planets orbiting planets. Yeah, rather than doing that yep. i guess we should just change the definition of planet because yeah we don't want to have that many it's too, too so instead we can yeah we made a new category dwarf planet mm-hmm. and pluto got demoted sorry pluto i mean it's still a planet it's just a dwarf planet exactly exactly it's just we create another category there's yeah. another category which yeah, people... which if we, if we applied that logic to any to a person that would not be cool so maybe i shouldn't just be like it's i know fine. i know it's like... but there's just i mean it's the way you categorize things. It's okay. You're, it's you're, your you're, way of understanding You're still a human. It. You're just a subhuman. <laughs> that's what it sounds like. So I'm like, mm, that's actually really rude. You're just a tiny human. It's um, fine. But yeah. So I think we'll have Carl to lunch. I'm just going to kind of be sitting there going, what's your deal, dude? Like, Oh, he'll be too busy. Like really? he's going to order the salad and then he's going to take each leaf and like put it down on the white tablecloth. Oh, yeah. And, like, smooth it <laughs> and out. He'll tell us what everything and, is. And like be sketching it. Yeah. The waitress will not be happy. Yeah, he'll probably not even talk to us. <laughs> to be like, I have work to do. <laughs> but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. We'll still invite him and just watch him dissect his salad into and categorize it and tell us how many different orders of of plants that are are involved he'll explain each one to us i'm Mm -hmm. sure yeah and then he'll be like i don't like frisee i'm naming it after this guy i hated in the fourth grade (laughs) (laughs) yeah actually this sounds like a lot of fun (laughs) totally (laughs) yeah i think it's just gonna turn into like a gossip session he'll just be like so who do you hate i'll name something after them well like do you take requests something i don't like Oh, there'd be so much to choose from these days, Carl. Our political landscape alone would lend so much fodder. He would never run out of ideas. Yeah, I know he would not. Yeah. 
as long as he never ran out of like new fungi mm-hmm. you know Par- and parasites and parasites yeah it would be great mm-hmm. <sighs> the alternate universe where carl is here naming stuff thanks so much for listening to this episode of science brunch we will be back next time with someone new in the meantime you can check us out on facebook and twitter and all the things and uh, rate us on soundcloud and subscribe on itunes and all that good stuff and we'll see you next time <laughs> <laughs>